This episode is sponsored by Riverside, your all-in-one podcast and video platform. I've been using Riverside for years, super high quality podcast recordings ready in minutes, but listen to this. They just launched Magic Clips, which is their AI powered video clips maker for social media. So I do one podcast episode and get 10 video clips back in minutes. This is game changing for video content creators. Click the link in the show notes and use the code MSM23 for 15% off. This episode is also sponsored by PDC Flow payment management made easy. PDC Flow just built this super cool product called Flow Billing, which helps you avoid late or missed payments from your customers. Flow Billing captures payment information, verifies it to make sure it's valid, and automatically collects invoice payments for the work that you do. So there's no waiting and there's no uncomfortable email or phone call. Visit pdcflow.com flow billing to learn more. We don't want to do customer research. That's boring. Or We don't want to think of product positioning that's boring, like the fun, quote unquote, fun stuff for an engineer or for a CEO or a CFO or whoever who's not knee deep in marketing all of the time. Their quote unquote fun stuff is posting on LinkedIn, like doing a big webinar and having guest appearances and showing up to events. And so I agree with you completely. I don't think it's boring. I think other people have the misconception that it's boring. If you're at an early stage startup, you're in the right place. Every startup begins bootstrapped, pre-seed or seed, and that's such an exciting time, but also a really challenging time. 50 to 90% of early stage startups don't make it. We should be able to get our startups over the hump and without guessing or throwing spaghetti. Marketing is an important part of your go-to-market strategy, but you need to understand the why behind the what in order to get clarity, make the right decisions, and get results. Welcome to season four, where I'll be asking why in order to help bring more clarity to the messy world of early stage startup marketing. Hi, and welcome to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. You know, I'm always happy that you join me, especially today. Today, I have uh, a little bit of somebody different. I'm trying for season four to bring on startup founders, co-founders at early stage startups, but I just couldn't help myself, guys. I'm sorry. I had to bring on Mary. Mary Keo with me. She is the head of marketing at Map My Customers. And I'm just delighted to have you here. I had to bring you on. You know what? I'm not sorry, Mary. You know, I apologize too. <laughs> I apologize, but I'm not sorry. I'm happy to have you here. So welcome to the show. Yeah, I am so excited to be here, Anna. You always are leave like very thoughtful comments and ask deliberate questions, which I really appreciate. And it helps me think more about what I'm writing. So like, I'm usually pretty thoughtful about what I write and what I put out there, but I like that you ask these like very thoughtful, clarifying questions. You're the second person today who said that I asked thoughtful questions. So I think I'm gonna, you know, keep doing more of that because people seem to like that. It's not always the case. We were just talking offline before I started recording. Like, it's not always the case that people put a lot of thought into what they're saying out there, like posting on LinkedIn, right? But I've really enjoyed following you on LinkedIn. Your posts are spot on. 
whether, you know, they make me think whether I have more follow-up questions or not. They make me think when it comes to marketing, it's just like you get into the nitty gritty stuff. And I've literally been tracking your posts. So, and then like keeping note of it. So we could talk about those things in this episode. So here we are. Let me just give folks a little breakdown on Map My Customers. Founded in 2015. The team is 24 people. Is that right? Yep, that's about right. Okay. And on the funding side, seed funded 2.9 million. And a quick, quick, quick description. The mobile first CRM loved by outside sales teams. So you basically already know who it's for and what it is, which I love. I love having like this concise description so you know who it's for and what it is that you've built for them. So great. Let's jump in. Let's just start going, Mary. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. I love it. Okay. So you came on as the new head of marketing. And I haven't had this on the show as much lately, like new head of marketing, one person marketer, uh, marketing team, right? So what did you prioritize as the new head of marketing when you started at Map My Customers seed funded startup? Yeah. So there's two big things that I prioritized when I came on and that was qualitative analysis and quantitative analysis. So qualitative analysis was a lot of listening to sales calls, sitting in on live ones and asking questions to prospects live, which was really fun. Uh, sitting in on training sessions, onboarding sessions, and then absorbing the problems that people were coming to us with and their backgrounds how they were describing us versus the other solutions they were looking at, you know, all that great qualitative stuff that really only comes out of customer research. And then after that, so from a quantitative side, it was a lot of where are leads coming in? How are they converting to opportunities? How fast are they moving through the pipeline? Are they becoming customers or aren't they? So really just like from a quantitative perspective, like both number value and dollars in, dollars out, what's working? <laughs> what's working based on CRM data? So from there, it really helped me prioritize where I wanted to spend time as a marketer. And I actually looked at your marketing as a system before we hopped on here. And I love it because you basically copied exactly what I did about my customers, which was build this really great marketing foundation based on customer research. So positioning, messaging, segmentation, targeting. And then from there, optimize really that like bottom funnel. Because as an early stage seed stage startup, you want to start with the low hanging fruit. It's just super easy. So website conversions, taking out money where you're wasting time. So we were doing a lot of SEO, a lot of uh, paid search, and that just really wasn't producing the results we needed to see. Same with some of the ways we were doing outbound. So not outbound as an entire go-to-market, but definitely the way that we were conducting it wasn't necessarily working the way that we wanted to. So just seeing that, shifting that, and tackling some of that low-hanging fruit was like probably my biggest priorities. My heart is warmed by the fact that you mentioned mass marketing as a system and how that's exactly... Because it all matches up, right? Like you're full-time at a seed startup. That's the stuff you prioritize. I fractionally help seed-funded startups. And that's also stuff I prioritize. So 
Hooray. Yes. Hooray for us. Yes. <laughs> and it works. It really does work. And it works. <laughs> totally. Totally. Can you tell me more about the outbound? Like, I'm just curious, what were the things that what were some of the ways that you kind of like stopped that weren't producing results versus what did you keep on the outbound side? Yeah. So the way that we were doing cadences was based on really low value intent. So ebook downloads, people who kind of like were referred, but like not really referred because they were just like, please get off my back and call this other person, like go bother them for a little while. And then from the messaging standpoint. So the way that we were talking about ourselves in that early pitch and you know, okay, outbound is insanely hard right now. People are not picking up their phones. It's a little bit different in sales, which is our ICP, which kind of helps because they'll, they're more, a little more likely to answer unknown numbers, but it's really freaking hard (laughs) to get someone to answer the phone. And then when they would answer the phone, our pitch was just like, just not good. So you, I love that you pointed out how easy that description, our company description was to kind of absorb and understand mobile first CRM made for outside sales teams. And I think our pitch was, hey, I'd really love to show you this tool that helps increase rep productivity and help them stop driving past revenue. And like, that sounds kind of cool and markety. It's got some like fun action words, but it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Not even You haven't told me anything really, except that you kind of know some sales terms. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And that's why I love that, like really concise, who's it for? What did you build for them? And that makes a lot of sense, like removing the low value intent, ebook downloads, not interested people that got referred to you, right? And the pitch, when the pitch doesn't land and you get someone on the phone, that's such a waste. Yeah. Right? Because you you actually got someone. They answered, but then your pitch is not landing because you're just not, it didn't explain right. really well. It didn't tie to the problem that like they want to hear more. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah. And I'm sure you see this with startups and I am definitely understanding it more and more the more time I spend in the startup space. And that is like, things are moving so fast that you kind of forget to communicate things. So when you decide whether or not you're a CRM, when you decide on your positioning, when you decide on your audience, that fails to trickle down. Like you're so excited about it that you forget to like tell your BDRs because they are at the bottom of the chain, right? Like I love, love, love the BDR team, but yeah, they're like at the bottom. So you kind of forget to tell them, hey, you need to refine your outside sales pitch to match this new positioning, which is exactly what happened. So It's almost like there's so many plates spinning that you're balancing that you forget to check on the plates. Yeah, that's a tough part. How do you kind of like navigate that? There are a bunch of maybe you're working closely with the, you know, founder or founders, right? And you guys are on the same page and leadership team is on the same page. But how do you make sure that you're not forgetting to tell the rest of the... Do you guys have like check-ins with the BDR team? I do. Okay. Yeah. So I have regular one-on-one check-ins with all of the department leads. So I have a regular one-on-one check-in with the founder, the CEO. So those are two different um, people at our company. I have a regular one-on-one with head of sales, customer success, and product. So making sure that we're like consistently communicating. And then we have, you know, that big SLT meeting, senior leadership team meeting every week. And sometimes that 
you almost have that displacement of responsibility where you're talking about the problems and you're solving them, but like no one's actually following up. So that one-on-one time with each individual person really gives you time to like, I get to check in on them and they get to check in on me. Like, is Mary doing what she said she would do? Totally. Yeah. And so the department leads make sense. But when do the BDRs come in? Is that like the whole team? Everybody gets together? Yeah, great question. So that's, um, we have a quote unquote revenue team meeting every Friday. So that's weekly where we run it. I was talking with Anna before we hit record about this operating system, this business operating system called EOS. So that's Entrepreneurial Operating System. I adapted it from the agency I was at prior. So we run this meeting called an L10. And the L10 is an insanely structured meeting. Highly recommend it to anyone looking to up their meeting level game. And you just like discuss issues, you same page things. It's very like a no-nonsense way to approach a meeting. So that's how um, we communicate down funnel to BDRs is usually through that that L10. Okay. I know we really went deep into this. It's <laughs> interesting to me, like this EOS structure, the L10. I have no idea what L10 means, but I'm sure if I Google it, I can find oh, out yeah, what you'll, that you'll get structure it. looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So we talked about you coming in and what you prioritize as a new head of marketing when you started. How do you measure your marketing strategy while still, because I think measurement, it's hard to stay creative when you're measuring your marketing strategy. Yes. How do you still stay creative and not get bogged down in attribution when you're thinking about measurement? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to talk a lot about marketing attribution before I was hired. So I really wanted to make sure that the senior leadership team and I were on the same page before I decided to come on and like actually accept a position here because I know what it's like for marketing leaders who get tasked with, hey, our BDRs don't have enough leads. Like you need to go get some more leads. Like where's our ebook downloads or where is our um, Zoom info leads or, you know, however they decide they want to collect data that week. (laughs) So I was very clear that that was not how I was going to be measured, but I did still expect to be measured on things that bring business value. So if we're talking about what brings business value, well, obviously revenue is a big one. And when we really reverse engineer revenue, revenue comes from pipeline and pipeline comes from high quality leads. So I was very clear with the SLT that I wanted to be measured on high quality leads, pipeline, and then revenue. Okay, perfect. And high quality leads, can you define that? What does that mean? Yeah, so the way we define it right now, since we're early stage and we need to stay really focused on high value opportunities, the way that I describe a high intent lead is someone who comes to the website or you know, we might randomly have someone LinkedIn DM our founder or something and say, I want to explore more about your product. So I want to see a demo or I want to talk to a product expert or I have some clarifying questions. So something that signals they are in like low, low, low research stage slash I want to purchase from you today. Awesome. Okay. So you're not focused on low quality leads like ebook downloads, for example. Some things that you had mentioned earlier, you're focused on those people that want to talk to sales, see a demo, right? That makes a lot of sense because then if they're happy with it, that'll turn into pipeline. That'll turn into revenue more likely than the low quality leads. That makes a lot of sense. So 
How do you still stay creative without getting bogged down? How does like the focus on the high quality leads, the pipeline, the revenue, like, is it just kind of that gives you less, maybe less numbers? Yeah, yeah, to focus on. And they're usually pretty good. (laughs) So you could track them and they don't just kind of turn into nothing. For sure. Yeah. So the way I still stay creative is making sure I still stay a part of the tactics that tie back to creative. So stuff like paid social campaigns, that's like one of my favorite things. Um, So seeing which ads are resonating, what kind of messaging is resonating, and then going back and like tweaking that or adding in memes or GIFs. That's probably like the closest way to stay to it. Same with like emails. I know this like is crazy. And, you know, emails kind of one of those is it dead? Is it not dead? Definitely not dead, I can tell you. But we don't use it for generating meetings or pipeline or revenue. We use it to get people to attend our live events, or we use it as a retention activation play for our current customers. So we send a lot of, hey, here's this product feature you might not even know existed, and here's how you use it, and here's a few use cases how we've seen other customers use it. And we have memes in there and GIFs in there and like funny personal anecdotes in there. So just trying to keep people, you know, kind of surprised and delighted in a lot of ways. So they're not just opening this boring product update email. And then one of my favorite ways recently, we're updating a lot of the graphics on the website. And my product team is really heavily involved in that. And we sync weekly on it right now. We'll eventually move to a little less frequently once those graphics are coming in. But we like you know, brainstorm like what we think some really great product features to showcase are. We'll do like mood boards. We do sharing product websites that are resonating with us right now. So that's one way where I still keep a pulse or, you know, I'm solely responsible for something like paid social campaigns. And that's a really easy way for me to like keep doubling down on being creative and seeing what's working in the market. Yeah. Tell me about your team because I didn't ask you that. Like, Are you in charge of everything right now or do you have folks that are on the team? Yep. So I am in charge of everything right now. I outsource my podcast production and post-production to an agency who we absolutely love. So got it. You're literally the one person marketing team. Okay. (laughs) Love it. I'm a one person marketing team. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So and you're doing the paid social. What else are you doing? You're doing the podcast. Yep. You're doing email. It's like email newsletter, it sounds like. Yeah, it's like I would call it an email newsletter. It goes out weekly. And then we do like the invite and follow up for our live event series. So I would say our main, my main responsibilities right now are podcast, paid social campaigns, weekly live event on Wednesdays, and then newsletters. Wowza. It's a lot. Okay. I just want to, it's a lot. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you specifically because you're one person doing all of these different things. How do you manage it? How do you manage to do podcast? Well, weekly live event, I think of it kind of like a podcast a little bit because if you're doing the podcast and you're like, it's just that that's recorded and goes out later probably. But the live event, it's like probably an hour and it's weekly too. No, so, so yeah, we there's do, like yeah, we do the live event yeah. a little differently. So okay. we do a mix. We it's not part of our podcast. So our podcast is kind of separate. If we do a topic related 
So maybe like once every other month, our weekly live event will get pushed to the podcast. But other than that, we do it as like exploring future functions. So trying to really drive usage of the app or like get people to even see what it does. Like, I'm sure you can relate to this in the startup world. Like, okay, I kind of get what your AI powered solution does, but like, let me see it. Like, I just want to see what it does. So that's really what those Wednesdays are meant to do is not only get in front of customers and get questions about specific features or specific functions of the product, but then also put it out into the world so people can see, oh, I get it now. I understand what account segmentation means. Totally. That's cool. So it's a mix of customers asking questions and new people that are like, what does this product do? Yes. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. So you're doing a lot. (laughs) So you have to be kind of dangerous in like a lot of these areas. Yeah. Even though you are probably like, you might have a preference for something, right? Like you're dangerous enough where you can do all of these things as the first head of marketing, but you're probably more good in certain things than other things. So just thinking ahead, like who do you think your first hire eventually will be? Yeah. So I think it'll be, um, the way I'm thinking about it is two ways. So my greatest, you know, my greatest weaknesses are where we want to double down. Definitely campaigns. So I know enough to be dangerous. Um, You know, I follow the Chris Walker Refine Labs playbook when it comes to paid social. We're not doing it for emails or for contact information. We're doing it to get a message out into the world. So I know enough there, but I know we could be doing more or better. I just know we can. So that's definitely where I'm thinking. And then another one is just like straight up content production, but especially video. So somebody who's like really good with graphics and video. Awesome. Okay. Love that. I just love picking your brain on that because it really does depend on who you bring on as your first head of marketing and what are the areas that kind of need then to be more, you know, you want to go big in certain areas, you know, something's working. So then you're eventually going to want to bring in somebody that can do a better job than you. Oh, totally makes sense. 100%. My my goal is to hire people smarter than me. Like, I hope the people I hire are smarter than me. Well, Mary, that's going to be a very hard bar (laughs) to fill there. All right. So a question I get a lot from founders, I get this a ton, is how to plan for and how much time to invest in, let's call them marketing moonshots or crazy wild ideas versus things that you kind of know will be more likely to work, but they might not be like crazy wild ideas. It's kind of like we think of it as more boring marketing versus the fun marketing. And the reason I like this question is because number one, I get asked this a lot. Number two is you actually had a LinkedIn post about this. So I know you have an opinion on it. And I just want to explore this idea more with you. What do you think? Like, yeah. How do you plan for and how much time to invest? Yeah, so going along with one of my recent LinkedIn posts, it depends, of course. (laughs) But if I would say if you're an early stage startup, so if you're like me, 10% or less, honestly, should be spent on marketing moonshots and probably lean toward the if less if you don't have like someone like you or a full-time marketing leader. So someone who is completely dedicated into your marketing fundamentals or foundation. Cool. So 10% or less 
spent on marketing moonshots when you're at an early stage startup. Yes. And the reason that you say that is because you want to spend time on the things that you have have a higher likelihood of working. Is that right? 100%. Okay. Yes. Like until you have an engine, like predictable things that you can rely on that tie back in some way to marketing, like, no, save the moonshots for when you are at 10 million. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I partly agree with you. I think I personally think that you should always kind of be be dabbling and be open to new potential creative or channels or maybe that makes me opportunistic (laughs) but i think everyone that kind of gets into this role should be sort of like talking and learning and checking and like oh heard about this and you're gonna get that from your team too right from the founder from the ceo they're like well why aren't we doing this this other company is doing it right that happens all the time and then you have to push back on it because, hey, it's just Mary, right? And I'm doing all of these different things. So if you want me to do that thing, I'm going to have to take something off my plate. But that's something that's off, that's going to come off my plate. Like it's already working. It's part of the engine. So that other thing better be good. So I'm of the mindset that you should always just be in this like open to other things, maybe like small scale tests, but don't spend a an exorbitant amount of time on it. Don't spend an exorbitant amount of budget yes. on it. Yes. Or effort. or effort. Like honestly, now that I'm in, you know, startup realm, like time and effort are so big. Like time, of course, you know, you're going to spend more time than usual. And time is really like your major resource, especially if you're in marketing without a lot of financial backing. But effort, I mean, if you are spending a lot of effort on something that's not returning results as a one-person marketer with nobody to fall back on, to ideate ideate with, to strategize with, you're going to get burned out. You're going to be miserable. It's just not going to be fun. Totally. And like, I'm doing this because it's fun. It's fun to do this. Absolutely. Okay. So let me just really quickly, because this comes from a post that you had and the quote unquote boring marketing that you called out, which you're like investing most of your time, 90% of your time and budget, right? Is number one, focus on a single segment. Number two, create positioning and messaging for that segment. Number three, answer the questions or concerns that this segment has using content. And number four, put that content in places where this segment spends their time. So this is really like the bulk of what you are doing you call this boring marketing. I came in there. I think I added a comment <laughs> saying, this is not boring. This is the gold. This is the exciting stuff, right? Once you figure out who is the person, all about them, what goals they have, what challenges they have, what, you know, what's the position you're going to use, message, all the strategic stuff comes first. And then yes. you execute using tactics, right? I think it's exciting marketing oh, yeah. personally. Okay, I definitely agree. The reason I call it boring marketing is at the agency and before I was when I was in the industrial world and I would attempt to fall back on these, it was literally referred to as boring. Like, (laughs) we don't want to do customer research, that's boring. Or we don't want to think of product positioning, that's boring. Like the fun, quote unquote, fun stuff for an engineer or for a CEO or a CFO or whoever 
who's not knee deep in marketing all of the time, their quote unquote fun stuff is posting on LinkedIn, like doing a big webinar and having guest appearances and showing up to events. And so I agree with you completely. I don't think it's boring. I think other people have the misconception that it's boring. I agree with you. Yes. Totally. But these are the marketing fundamentals that you need to instill first. And I think part of that is also educating these early stage startups that this should be the focus of your efforts and not like the post on LinkedIn and the go to the event and go speak at this conference. And maybe that's part of it, but it has to be a strategy and not just a one-off thing that like, you know, the viral video that you're going to create or whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It cracks me up too, because the reason sometimes it's referred to as boring or that they don't want to do it. So they don't want to do positioning or customer research is they're scared of focusing on a segment, which I'm sure you can relate to this. So they're scared of like not addressing large enough of a market or enough of a audience with their marketing. And that just cracks me up so much because they're like really risk averse to this very risky, but potentially high reward marketing strategy. But they're a founder of an early stage startup. They're inherently risky. They probably quit like their full-time job they put all of their, you know, knowledge stock into this crazy software idea product. But then when it comes to marketing, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's let's pause the risk button there. Yeah. Can't make it just to that one segment. Come on. That's risky. Exactly. No, but that's just how marketing works. Like, if you have the correct, you do have to figure out who is your ICP, right? And that is, I think, the goal. Before, Mary, you joined Matt, my customers, the goal of any startup founder, co-founder is to help figure that out so that when you start then to bring in your marketing, your head of marketing, your head of sales, other people, they're not just like, okay, so who are we for guys? Like, what are we, who are we supposed to call? Who are we targeting? This is all kind of been figured out hopefully. And yes, it's going to tweak, get tweaked over time. And yes, you're going to conquer a segment and then start opening up to another segment potentially to like continue to grow. But this is how marketing works. You have to really stay focused and prioritize. Otherwise, the messaging is not going to land and you're going to come back to like what we talked about earlier, where the BDR has got on the phone and the messaging didn't land and then nothing, you know, happened next. There was no follow up. There was no pipeline generated. So And the worst thing of that is then people get confused about who you are and what you do, but they might remember your name. So that's definitely happened to us because we did heavy outbound strategy for like two or three years. So we had two or three years of this pitch where people didn't really get us. And now we're trying to call them again with like refined messaging, refined targeting. And they're like, oh, yeah, I remember you guys. I didn't really understand what you did. Oh, God. But now they do. Now they get it. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I also have kind of a little bit of a story here. When I first started the podcast, I know it's not a startup, but I first started the show. It's called Modern Startup Marketing. That's pretty general. So I knew that I wanted to talk about marketing and I wanted to talk about startups and I wanted to bring on startups on the show, but that's still pretty general. And only after three seasons did I get to the aha. (laughs) It should have taken me a shorter period of time, not, not all those years, that I serve early stage startups. I need to focus on early stage startups. But 
even for me, that's like, oh man, do I want to just focus on early stage startups? But early stage startups, you know, should I even be working with them long term? Like they have the, you know, they, their funding is lower, right? That's risky. Do I want to focus on this segment? And do I want to own, right? So, and then thinking about like bringing founders on early stage, a lot of them might not be marketing minded. So it's a lot of questions too that I have to go through. But at the end of it, I decided I'm going to go season four and focus on early stage startups because that's where the, I think personally, that's where the need is. Yes. I already had so many episodes that where I brought on early stage startups and that's where those episodes really like, I love bringing on those startups that are still figuring stuff out. It's a mess. They're still growing versus, you know, it's great to hear how the larger ones like Series F. I think I had Series G on the show. Nice. But it gets so complicated. I'm always I'm almost like, oh, bring back the simplicity because I think of the early (laughs) stage more simple than like Series G. And you're like the marketing leader there. Can you imagine? It's like anytime you need to steer the ship, it's just like. It's like the Titanic burden. Yeah. <laughs> the Titanic, right. So anyway, that's just a story about me and how, you know, focusing on a signal segment, I finally got there. But it has to do with startups. It has to do with podcasts, has to do with everything, basically. Right. I agree. OK, so season four of the show is all about the why. So I do want to bring back like a why question, because I think a lot of the focus out there of people talking on LinkedIn and podcasting. People are talking about what? The tactics. You and me, like we just talked about what? I was curious, like as a one-person marketing (laughs) team, what are you actually doing with your marketing? Like what channels and stuff? But since I've worked with early stage startups for over three years, almost four, I developed that approach. You mentioned, Mary, that you looked at and, and we talked about how it's aligned to how you run things at the Seed Startup called Mass Marketing as a System. And I give like the process to these startups I work with. I help them understand the why behind it because I believe that if you understand the why behind the what, you will have the clarity to make the right decisions and get results. So I'm talking about more why questions on the show. It's very important to me. So let's start with a juicy why question. With marketing, why do some people get it while other people don't? And I'm asking you this. I can't bring on a founder (laughs) to ask this question. (laughs) I have to ask a marketing-minded person, right? Some founders are very marketing-minded, so I take that back. But why do you think some people get marketing while others don't? Yeah, I think the people who... This might be kind of a spicy take. I think the people who don't get marketing aren't spending enough time with their customers. So... The farther you are removed from your customer, the less you understand marketing. So that comes from my experience working at an industrial company and then with industrial companies later. It almost always stood to reason that we at Gorilla 76, the agency I was at, we worked with mid-market industrial companies. The smaller they were in that mid-market range, the more they got it. They were like, yeah, I understand why we need to update our website create more content, get that content in the world. It's just like something clicks when they're a little bit smaller. The bigger they get because they're removed by layers of management and departments and organizational structure, you get farther and farther from the customer and therefore stop caring about why marketing is important and what it, what value it can bring 
to the company. Interesting. So you think that it has to do with small versus large because like the larger companies, then people start to get into these like siloed teams and you don't always have direct access to customers and to really like get those insights, whether it's B2B or B2C. I think you might be onto something. The bigger you are, the farther you are from the customer. When I was working at Groupon, like it's a pretty large company Mm -hmm. now. It was a startup back in the day, but it became really big. And so there were a ton of teams and we were all working on the same goal. But when you break it down into smaller goals and smaller channels, right, there's like the affiliates team and there's the email marketing team and there's the social team and there's the operations, you name it. Yeah, there's like so many teams. I think that you're right. Like you get farther from the customer and then you kind of lose your purpose almost. Right. And um, yeah, it was I see your point. I do think, though, that. I have met smaller startups because that's typically who I speak to when I get on prospect calls, when I, I do like mentoring calls on Fridays. And some of these founders, they have a small startup, but they still don't understand marketing. Like they don't quite get it. I think that more likely founders are going to understand sales because they need to do that before they bring in the team, you know, grow their team out. Uh, You don't want to do that until you have some kind of traction with sales, right? Bringing on like somebody else to as a head of sales. But so they understand product because usually they're product minded founders. They understand sales more or less because they understand like, okay, we have to get, you know, reach out. Maybe these people want our product. Maybe... But the marketing stuff is a little bit more wishy-washy. And even now, I've been talking to some folks on the podcast and off the podcast, like the barrier between marketing and sales is kind of getting fuzzy. And some of the things that you're doing might roll into like the, a little bit of the sales side of things. And some of the things that you're doing are more marketing heavy, but there's like a blurry line. So, oh, that's super interesting. So maybe it's like a mix of not really understanding your customer in the market and not understanding how to measure marketing. So maybe, you know, sales is very easy to measure. Salesperson produces X amount of output and that equates to X amount of revenue, right? So marketing is much less simple to measure. I super agree with that. Yes. And then it's not like you can create a blog post and then measure like, right. you, you know, it's just like not the same versus you get your inside sales team and they are supposed to make this many calls and they're supposed to get this many, you know, demos set up and you can measure that. And there's like a conversion rate and everything's kind of like a systematic and makes sense with marketing. It doesn't really work that way. It's more of a, I think, like long term and you kind of got to need to feel out the signals if something is working or not, especially if you're early stage and you don't have a lot of data to go off of. Yes. So I think it's more of a focus on long term stuff versus short term stuff. Love that. And I think people get short term more than they understand long term. 
The other thing I wanted to mention was when I define marketing, and I've talked about this in other episodes, and I'm probably, what do they say? Like burning a dead horse? I don't know what the saying is. I just totally <laughs> oh, beating, that beating a dead beating horse. Beating a dead horse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that is that is just so gruesome. <laughs> Didn't mean to say that. So <laughs> beating a dead horse. <laughs> so what is marketing? To me, marketing is empathy, story, point of view, giving value and expecting nothing. And that last point of expecting nothing, I think is hard for people to understand because a lot of like the sales is just focused on, I am expecting results, guys. You're getting on those phones, you're, you're sending out those emails and I am expecting that to turn into something. But when you come at it with an approach of like, I'm expecting nothing, I'm just trying to give you guys value. I'm just trying to have empathy and understand you and tell the right story and position us so that you, it clicks with you, it resonates with you. And I'm expecting nothing. But if something happens, like I'm so happy that it did. That is the stance I take with marketing. What do you yeah. think about that? I like that a lot. The way I've described it before to people who are, you know, being sassy on LinkedIn <laughs> is it feels like sales is like a one-to-one or one-to-few conversation or relationship. So you get either your one customer evangelist inside the organization, or you're able to build a relationship with a few key stakeholders. But marketing is trying to scale that same relationship. So it's much more one-to-many. Yeah, that's right. But at the same time, you kind of want to make it seem like you're still one step resonating removed. with that one person, right? Yeah. Like when you're getting on there and doing like an event or doing your monthly newsletter or doing the podcast, or whatever, you're like hopefully you're talking to that one person versus making it like, I have a bunch of you guys out there, right? But I agree with you. That's exactly what you're doing. You're scaling so you could reach more people and not just pick up the phone and call that one. Totally. Awesome. So what, this is the ask me anything moment, which I like to now do in all of my episodes. What burning question do you have for me, Mary? So my question, knowing, you know, we're on the same page with the marketing as a system. What is resonating the most with founders and what's resonating the least? Oh, with the, this whole marketing as a system process? Yes. That's a great question. And one I've never been asked because I recently put together this marketing as a system after like the course of the three plus years working with early stage startups. What is resonating the most? So my best clients say that they love just high level. They love this process because they have like a systematic approach. Yes. What early stage startups are missing is a systematic approach to marketing. They're like, usually the question that I get like on mentoring calls or prospect calls, whatever is like, Anna, I don't know what I, I could be doing all these things, but I don't know like, what should I be doing right now? It's just like a heavy question. It's a really big question. It's a challenging question. What should I be doing? I could be doing paid ads. I could be doing podcasts. I could be doing events. And my answer is you should be doing all of them. I'm just kidding. That's not my answer. <laughs> but the answer comes from having a systematic approach to how you do marketing. And that's the wrong question to ask. The question to ask is, what should I prioritize first? as I start to like bring marketing into my go-to market strategy, because it's a very important piece of it. So I think the thing that they love is having this systematic approach. 
to marketing. And did you say what's resonating the most and what's resonating the least? Yeah. So at least okay. what it, when you're explaining marketing as a system, where are they yeah. like, where are they like, you know, their eyebrows are scrunched together. They're like, huh? Oh, hmm. The scrunching of the eyebrows, the <laughs> scrunching of the eyebrows. I mean, I don't know if I get a lot of like with early stage startups, the scrunching of the eyebrows is usually like, is it the right time to focus on marketing and the inbound, right? And all yes. of that, they have to figure that out. I can't tell them that, the timing piece yep. of it. I mean, my personal belief, and it's not just because I'm a marketer, but it's because I understand that go-to-market strategy does not exist 100%. Like you're revving your engines and you're doing what you should be if you leave out marketing, if you're just doing your outbound, for example, and like customer success, and you're leaving out that critical, and you've got product, obviously, right? But you're leaving out that critical piece that the marketing side and That's actually the part that matters a ton early stage, because like you said, when you came on to map my customers, you had to work on the positioning and the messaging. And that kind of goes out to all these other arenas, like the sales team now, when they're picking up the phone and they're pitching, like, does that pitch land? It affects everything. So... I think it needs to come in earlier versus later. But that's where the scrunching the eyebrows, like, is this the right time? Do I believe that I need this now? Or can I fall back on doing the same thing I've been doing and kind of just like stumbling through marketing the way that I think I should do it? So that's where the scrunching the eyebrows comes. Nice, I like it. Yeah, it's not really like, there's no one saying, oh, I don't think we need positioning or messaging or voice of customer <laughs> research or, you know, brand design guide or this is wrong. Leave out the mood boards, Anna, or like the website. We don't need it. <laughs> no one's scrunching their eye. Like they basically agree, but it's more on is this the right time right now, given where we're at? We're early stage. Is this the right time to bring in, you know, fractional help to to yeah. have someone come in and help us here. So I love that. That's awesome. Great question. Thanks. Mary, this has been such a great conversation. I knew it would be because yeah. you and I clearly think alike. But I also like that, you know, you have things to say and I can kind of question my thoughts on certain things and come back with thoughtful questions, come back to some of the things you're saying. So I'm going to continue to enjoy interacting with you on LinkedIn. Maybe we can hang out one day if you're ever in the Chicago area. Oh, I'm from Chicago. That's great. You're from Chicago. So if you're ever around here, let me know. I will. That's awesome. We can have coffee. Heck yeah. So thanks again, Mary. You can find, if you want to, you can find Mary on LinkedIn. I will include a link. It's a Mary... Keo with a string of numbers. And to learn more about Map My Customers, you can go to mapmycustomers.me. Thank you, Mary. Thanks so much, Anna. This was awesome. 
Thanks for listening to this weekly episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Fermanov, visit my website to learn more about how I help early stage startups, go to fermanovmarketing.com, and don't forget to leave a review if you're loving the show. 